0: from the hills reconfigure your life change your heart and prepare you for all that god has destined you to be welcome to the hills church i'm not a preacher i just try to speak from my heart and try to connect to what god is saying and i pray that he unburdens what is in my heart today but i i look around and you know we must be people who are sensitive to the times and seasons because god You know, as humans, we relate more by what we see than anything else. And what we see, if we're all agreed on the fact that the physical, what you see, is actually a manifestation of what has already transpired in the spirit, then it means if you're judging by what you see, you are late and you're judging wrongly. Because the thing that controls what you see has already transpired. So if you're going to look at what you're seeing, you're reacting late. What we must pray for is to be able to see what brings about what we see. And so if we see a lot, Pastor Che, like I said, first service was the worship and her prayer. It wrapped up everything I want to say. If I don't say a word, I'm fine. But what she framed, speaking of the level of insecurity in this country, I don't know, most of us, in fact, all of us, were not around when the Civil War happened. I was a baby. But, one thing I'm clear about is, the times we live in are even more dire than those times. And if you know anything about that Civil War, over a million people died. And if we live in a time that is even worse than that, then we should approach it with trepidation. Not fear, but a sense of seriousness. Let me kick off from Second Timothy 3. i read the first three verses. It says, but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. It says, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good. And so, when I say perilous times, I know we'll be thinking of insecurity and all the upheavals in the economy and all that. But I'm more concerned about what verses 2 and 3 frame. Because if you did English, you know, when you see a semicolon, what does it mean? It means what? There's a list. So, what you see after relates to or expands on what you have just read. So, if it says the last days will be filled with perilous times. And then he goes on to describe it's not do you see insecurity there? Do you see economic upheaval? They are not there. What you are talking about is people who are lovers of themselves. Go to Instagram. Everybody is hammering and blowing, even if they are just using fake backdrop and going to someone's house or someone using someone's car to go and be taking pictures and they're making you feel bad. And you'll be feeling bad by yourself for no reason. It just describes the times we live in. Let me read that verse one from the Amplified. It says, But understand this, that in the last days will come or set in perilous times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. Let me repeat that. Understand this, that in the last days will come or set in perilous times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with, and hard to bear. I keep saying one thing, that things are going to get worse. I don't say that because I wish evil on anyone, because I live in the world too. But I read scriptures like this, and that's what tells me. It says the last days, perilous times will come, and it says there will be times of great stress and trouble. Can Can it be more stressful than now? It will get more stressful. It will. Because the depravity of man is increasing. In the last week, we've been regaled with all that's going on in Afghanistan, in Jaws, in countless places. Everybody's fearful for what will happen in Afghanistan of the brutality of that militant Islamic group you saw the chaos people trying to get out people are like why are they they are falling off planes and dying now why are they so I mean you die one way or the other man you you know you everybody wants to choose the way they will die they would rather they would rather say I'd rather die this way than let these people come and kill me you can understand the kind of pressure those guys are under. Down here, we are just, you just need to travel a bit. Just go to just right now. You understand a bit of what they're thinking. Having lived in Abuja, it helped me get a bit of an understanding that you literally, in the north, go out, not know that you come back in, in, in this Nigeria. Just doing some word study, just to help frame things a bit. I just checked in the dictionary, what does perilous mean? It says it means full of danger or risk. And then I looked in the Strong's Concordance in that scripture, and the word for perilous is It means hard to bear, like Amplified said, dangerous, harsh, fierce, savage. So when you think about perilous times I leave you to paint the picture in your mind. You don't need to look far. Everybody is apprehensive that, let there, not be an, that let, this, uh, let there not be another lockdown because of COVID because of what happened the last time. We know the kind of insecurity that happened in Lagos. Anything can happen again. People are hungry those who are bad guys even because they ripped plenty they are looking for how they will just looking for any chaotic situation to escalate things no matter how wealthy you are you feel it you will feel it even a dangote will feel it because the number of trucks you'll be losing now by the day or the extortion that will go on on those trucks you will feel it in the pockets Nothing is endless, nothing, nothing is untouched. So it is foolhardy to think, well, it's not happened to me. You know that story about the Jews that in Germany, they said it don't happen to this, it didn't happen to that. Finally, it came full circle. You can't live like an ostrich with your head in the sand. Place is too quiet. At least put the AC on small so that there will be some noise. <laughs> I know. I think. I think it was last week Pastor Mo was talking about Jesus is coming, right? And he was using Matthew twenty four, Luke twenty one. I, I don't want to go into. I, I didn't bring. I didn't come to spread gloom. But if you read those scriptures, you begin to understand the end times. What they speak of. It says watch out, they were asking Jesus for a sign of what, when this times will come. And he says, watch out for things like earthquakes, floods, um, fires, um, um, wars, rumors of wars. He says, when you see these things, know that the time is near, he didn't say it has come. But you know what was interesting was last year when COVID first came out, the whole Christianity was upside down, thinking is it rapture, is it this, is it that? And I remember there was a call PI had with um, Prophet Adam. There was a Zoom, a series of Zoom calls about trying to teach about what the end times the sequence of things. You know, because there's a rapture, the great tribulation, there was argument is this the great tribulation, is it this? You know, and I you know what was a bit baffling to me was okay, even if it is, then what? Because we have this insatiable quest to know. When you know, then what? So even if you heard it was the great tribulation, what, then what? But you see, what happened was when people became a bit more comfortable in their knowledge, they just receded because they knew, okay, this is not the great tribulation. They just went back to business as usual. We all said that COVID was used by God to help to shape the church. The church is back to where it was. It's back to where it was. Forget it. Because now, because we are, you are we're a bit, we're online, you now could filter and you follow and you are this. We have even taken it online. So everything is just kosher. And that's not what it's meant to be. The whole idea is, he says, watch and pray. That's what he told his disciples. Watch and pray. And they couldn't watch. He said, you couldn't wait for one hour. Time has passed. That's where we're in danger of. So knowing is not the issue, it's what you do. It says, don't be hearers of the word alone, be doers as well. That's what's really our issue right now. That even if you know these perilous times, these are okay, so what is the thing about? What are you meant to do? Because we have a natural survival instinct. We just want to protect and keep ourselves safe. Having kept yourself safe, knowing that if you like, go and hide in a cave, it will meet you there. There's no need. Just determine what do I need to do and begin to do it. The first thing is that when he said in, that, in those scriptures that the times are coming, what it means is don't worry about whether it's next week, next year, 10 years. Because if I told you it's going to happen in 10 years, you will just naturally go and live a life of ease for like eight. And then say, okay, in eight, the eighth year, I will just change. But you know the problem? The Bible says that not even Jesus knows the time. Only God the Father knows. So you won't get any warning. Not one warning. It will just happen. And what that means is your mind must be conditioned to determine that it is tomorrow. And you start living it now. If you go back to Acts of the Apostles, they were saying the last days. From then on, no. that's how many years till now? How many years now? Over 2,000 years. We are still doing the last days, the last days. It can be today, it can be next year, it can be another 2,000. But you must live as if it's tomorrow. I'm going to piece a number of things together, so please follow me closely. So I'm looking at all these perilous times. Things are going to happen. They're dark times. Isaiah 60, I love a scripture so much. Um, If you look at the Amplified. Amplified, Isaiah 60, I'll read the first three verses. It says, arise from the depression and prostration in which circumstances have kept you. Rise to a new life. Shine, be radiant with the glory of the Lord, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. It says, for behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and dense darkness, all peoples. It says, but the Lord shall arise upon you, O Jerusalem, and his glory shall be seen on you, and nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Verse 2 is one of those other scriptures that makes me know that as dark as things get, they get darker. Because the only way light, darkness will recede is if light comes out. And light shines brightest in darkness. So the deepest darkness, even just if it's a flicker of a candle, it will shine well in the darkness. So things must get darker for the light to shine. I'm abridging so I can keep within time. But I'll come back to the scripture. What God dropped in my spirit in the last couple of days about the perilous times or how to navigate was just a phrase, four words, lose yourself in me. And that if you react, see, the, the number one thing the enemy uses apart from deception is to instill fear. Because if you can cause fear to come into your heart, doubt will follow. Unbelief will follow. And then you are Ezekiel begins, because we, it says, the just shall live by faith, not by sight. That means you're going to be living by what you, it says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So you're going to be living by the word of God. And it is largely unseen, because it says, he's the God who calls things, those things that be not as though they are. So things that don't exist, I like the Amplified of Hebrews 11 where it says faith is the title deed of the things you hope for. That really blows my mind. You know, if you have a house, if I tell you I own a house in Banana Island standing here, you look at me and say, for real? If I just showed you a title deed, you believe. You haven't seen the house, but you believe. A title deed gives you the authority of ownership. So it says faith. That's what faith is. So when you stand on the word of God in faith, you own. own. What the enemy will always do is attack that thing and cause doubt and fear. And you lose it. That's exactly what happened to Eve in the garden. Has God said? He didn't tell a lie. He just made her think. And she said it's true. And that was the end. All he has to do is just set stud for you, and you're gone. And that's why in this season, that's all I hear God saying, lose yourself in me, because in me, he says, we are inscribed in the palm of his hand. They didn't bond the person who wants to take you out of his hand, except you step out of his hand, then you are easy pickings. That is all I've heard in this season, lose yourself. He no, didn't say stay in me, because staying is one thing. He said lose yourself, that's as in just disappear inside me. Nothing will touch you. Yes, things will happen. It doesn't mean by any stretch of imagination because we have this, you know, human beings, we have a very, I don't know what mindset to call it, but we just feel it's happened to others. It will not happen to you. Are you not? The Bible says that the rain will fall on both the righteous and the unrighteous. That you are a child of God doesn't mean things will happen to you. We have this fake mentality that just thinks I should be okay. Life, (laughs) I say to people when they tell me, life is not fair. I say, life is not fair or unfair, it's just life. It will happen to you, it will happen to me. The issue is not what happens. The issue is how you respond to what happens. So stop pitying yourself. It It will happen to everybody. Everybody. Yeah, God might shield some of his own, but the things they go through, you might not even ever go through. Don't compare yourself with people, please. That's the one number one problem we have. We look at the other person and think, you are running different races. God made you differently. You have different names. So lose yourself in me. Scripture that undergirded that is Proverbs 3. Scripture we know very well. But it began to mean take a lot more um, prominence in my spirit. Proverbs 3 5 to 7. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. It says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Let me read the Amplified. It says, Lean on. Trust in and be confident in the Lord with all your heart and mind. And do not rely on your own insight or understanding. In all your ways, know, recognize, and acknowledge him. And he will direct and make straight and plain your paths. Be not wise in your own, in your own eyes. Reverently, reverently fear and worship the Lord. And turn entirely away from evil. If you don't take anything away, just go and read this scripture in Amplified and set yourself on that course and you will see things shift around you. Part of the problem, you know, Bible talks about repentance, the word for repentance, Greek word is metanoia, which means a turning away or changing the way you think. So this scripture talks of an entire, turning away entirely from evil. That in itself is one issue most of us have. You do all the good things, but there's one area, where it's, I call them little foxes, whether it's unforgiveness, I can't for, I, I forgot, you did me this and I forgot them, but I can't forgive. Or you just look at someone, or you're, you, know, you you know can't help telling the story. When they tell you, you tell the story, you can't help it. They'll just a little gossip here, let go back biting. Those little things can cost you big. And my, my admonition to people in this season is, deal with those things. Be ruthless with them. Because they can trip you up. Moses, it is anger that stopped him from entering the promised land. Just anger. God said, speak to the rock. He struck it. Water still came out, but that was the end. Because there was a symbolism in that rock. The rock is Christ. Striking is killing Christ, and he was to buy once. Your action is killing him twice, which should not be. It Moses. Moses. The symbolisms and dynamics that are beyond our understanding, the spiritual takes precedence over the physical. So the little thing you do, not forgiving someone, yes, the thing the person did you, eh? Hmm. is deep. In fact, everybody will say, it's very bad, forgive. The, part, the story Jesus told was of two people who are being, who are who who, um, who are in debt. to, uh, one was in debt to his master for like ten million, and then someone was owing him hundred thousand. The master forgave him after he begged. The one who was owing him hundred thousand. He said, "I put you in jail and put the guy in jail." And the master was like, when he heard, was very annoyed and said, "Put him, take everything he has and toss him in. Forgive you more, and you can't forgive this person. That's how God looks at us when we." act the way we do sometimes. When you get into the realm of unforgiveness, you take the place of God. God says vengeance is mine. It is his prerogative and his preserve. He says forgive 70 times 7 times. That means it, you don't need to do the maths. In fact, you have to use calculator, so that means don't even bother. Just be going. Unforgive, don't even, will you count 70 times 7 is what? For what? Do you want to be counting, and you do you spring on the chart one, two, three, four, five. want to be counting four ninety for real? <laughs> Those things can trip us up. Ephesians 5, 15, 16, and I'll just throw a few scriptures that for us to just go spend time and build on so that we can wrap up in time. It says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. It says, because the days are evil. Perilous times are evil times. But it says, you must walk circumspectly. You can break down that English what it means is walk with accuracy. You can't walk with uncertainty. You must be accurate in your pathway. It says not as fools but as wise ones so that you can redeem the time. So in all of this, you know what what I've found when I read scriptures is that as dire as the times seem, because when you look at the picture of what is go, what is going on and what is likely to happen, you just get discouraged. But you know, God is not. Let me backtrack. The Word of God, the Bible says in Hebrews, that is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. And it can go, it cuts through bone marrow, thoughts, insights. That means it can walk on transcendental levels, both in the physical, spiritual, any level, it walks and cuts through. So it is not bound by time, space, or matter. It can reach anywhere. It's the one thing that can reach anywhere. And when the Bible says in Isaiah that when the word of God goes forth, it will not come back void. It must accomplish what it's been sent for to do, and so God releases His Word to accomplish things, and He's given us. You know, the Bible says man was made in His image. It, you know, all that whole thing of whether it's, the argument of whether Jesus is Caucasian, Black, White, Chinese, whatever, it's very irrelevant. It's the Spirit who are made in His image. Hebrews four and Romans four talks about. God calls those things that be not as though they are, and He made us in His image. The creative force in God that comes by speaking is in us. That's why our words are lethal, especially when we speak the Word of God. He says, You will decree a thing and it will be established because it's in consonance with the Word of God. And so, Once we can come into that space where we understand the word of God about every situation, it loses you from fear and uncertainty. So you don't have to know what will happen. All you have to know is that God is with you. He says, yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow, he didn't say of the valley of death, the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And for me, that scripture is very, very instructive. It didn't say the valley of death, which is of certainty. It's the shadow of death. That means things will appear as if they are real, but they are not real. So if you don't know that, and you go through it, and one of the best illustrations for me, I had a, there's a, some years ago, I had to have a surgery that they needed to put me to sleep. When I came out of that, thing, I said, this is the valley of the shadow of death. Because you don't know whether you're coming out. And that experience of coming out, some people, you know, if you go in, that's where I learned that it's important, your mindset or your frame of mind is very important in things. Because if you go into that thing fearful, I had a, I had a colleague, she went into, she had an accident and she was going to be operated. She had to have multiple surgeries because of broken leg, broken hands, you know, several things. And she was going into that thing and she came out hallucinating. She had gone in with fear because, she didn't know it was a bad situation. She didn't know whether she would survive. So that mindset caused her to feel someone was trying to kill her, and she, 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 her. One of her colleagues was there. And she felt this guy, is trying, she felt he was trying to kill her because she saw him before she went off. You know, there are many things that will happen to you. And if you don't have the right mindset as you go in, you're going to come out more embattled than you went in. But if you go in with a calm sense, with the hand of God upon you, you will come out okay. That's why I say it's the shadow of death. And I take that to explain that we need to approach life with the same mindset. Have the right approach to things. You know, you don't have to know. You know, human nature wants to know. So that's the only way we can function. But you don't have to know. You don't have to know. Last year, before COVID came, I think I shared this that I went into the end of 2019. In December, what God dropped in my heart was, you know, every December, there's always Shiloh, uh, Holy Ghost, this one. everybody's releasing prophetic words, and that kind of shapes our mindsets about the year ahead. And I felt God, a check the first week of December, don't listen. Seek me actively. And I, I, I think pictures, I think what God helps me do is song and scripture, I can, I can paint a picture. And what he gave me was Genesis 26, that Isaac, in a time of famine, was going to go down to Egypt, just like his father Abraham in time of famine, because there's always food in Egypt. But it says, God said to him, stay in this land, and I will bless you. Now, the land is an arid, dry, desert ground. So that is bad enough. Then in farming, there's no water. So it would seem illogical to stay. But that's what God said. And he says he stayed, and he blessed him in that land a hundredfold. And what God was trying to get me to understand is, where I say is the place that is good. So if you stay there, I will bless. So don't follow what I will say, not what you hear. And I went further, and this is over a space of about two, three, but there's a particular village I, I used to go for every Friday, and every time I step in, I'll just download, and I, I know that place is a portal, you know? And what came to my mind again was... The reason and the dates were specific. Why? I don't understand. That if you go and listen to what he's saying and say the year is going to be fantastic, whatever year, if by January 15th I send out something that's going to shake your world, whether it was your world, the world, I don't remember, but shake the world around you to the point where you will, if you hear that it's going to be a fantastic year, and then you get it January 15th, everything, you lose everything. What will happen? Your faith will be shaking, you'll lose your faith. I said, the reason you need to listen to me is that I might be restoring everything double like I did for Job by June 15th. But if you've lost faith by January 15th, you will be nowhere to be found in June and um, by June 15th. So you need to listen to me. That's the frame of mind. I went on to give me certain other insights. Brace yourself for impact. Because it was like I saw a traffic light, I'm driving a car. And, a, and, I, and, I, and it's my turn to go, it's green, and a car comes that, is, um, that runs a red light and just hits me, and my car will turn. And he says, you need to, he said, the words were, build your core. And the scripture I pulled was Ephesians 3, is it 16? Build, you know, most, build by the spirit in your, most inner, in your inner man. Build strength in your inner man by the spirit. And so I took time to begin to build up now, this happened going into the year, and that's how, that's the year where I approached the year. And I, I, I kind of receded a bit. I mean, my birthday is January, in, in January, and that particular birthday, I just didn't feel like doing anything. I just, I just felt like being quiet. And what helped me was I had to do a, a, a procedure about the colonoscopy. So you, have, you can't eat, you just be there, drinking water, just very bland. So I, it was comfortable for me, I just stayed home. But what God did after that, and gave me a specific word that, was, that blew my mind in public. February, March, COVID came. I didn't see COVID, but my mindset was right. So by the time it came, nothing shook me. I was, I was able to navigate without with minimum stress. My family is in Abuja, I have to travel. So in the midst of all that, I was able to navigate fine, without stress. So it taught me something, that if you're going with the mindset, and that's all I'm, if you don't hear anything I say, your mindset in this season is very critical. Lose yourself in God, and that's what's gonna make the difference. Isaiah 43, just to wrap it and buttress it, is Isaiah 43. I'll read 1 to 5. It says, But now, thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. It says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned nor shall the flames scorch you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt for your ransom, Ethiopia and Sheba in your place. It says, since you are precious in my sight, you have been honored. It says, and I have loved you. It says, therefore, I will give men for you and people or nations for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west. The scripture It's always a comfort to me in really difficult periods. It tells me God will put anybody up, even a nation, because of you. If if you are precious to him, he will go to any lengths to ensure that you're okay. I've seen it happen in my life. It doesn't take a lot for you to be precious to God. just takes you, just being obedient and following him, making him the priority. You don't have to be perfect, trust me. You just have to hunger and thirst after him, after righteousness. And he's duty-bound to make sure nothing touches you. You don't have to pray extra hard. There was a season in my life that, you know, in those early years, You are very precious to God. And he does anything, even when you don't ask. I found for five years, I never bought one shirt or one suit. Never, in that period. I didn't even know my size. I just realized, ah, I need a shirt. I'll get a gift. Suit, same thing, for like five years. And I sat down and looked at it and realized, my greatest gift is encouraging. I can speak with you in your lowest moment and you'll come out with hope. In fact, my wife used to call me when first got my counselor, Balogun, because that's, I'll be tired, come home, want to sleep. You just come with problem, I can talk two hours. But anything else, I just sleep. <laughs> and I knew, I, I saw the correlation because I was faithful in that gift. God covered my back. I repeat, it doesn't take too much. It's the heart God looks at, not your actions. If David could commit adultery and murder, two stonable offenses, and not be killed, then you understand the God we serve. Go take time and look at the lives of David and Joseph. and uh, I don't have time to go into that, but just to prompt you. We're talking about perilous times. Your life can't have been as bad as theirs. God himself said of David, go and anoint him king in the place of the current king. David was by himself. He didn't call. He didn't ask. He didn't pray, God, make me king. God sent to go and uh, anoint him. And then all hell breaks loose. life. He becomes a fugitive. The king is trying to kill him. If I'm him, I'll tell God, I didn't send you now. I didn't ask, why are you putting this on me? David was 17 when he was anointed. He became king at 30. That's 13 years. Joseph, the same thing. He had dreams, that God gave him dreams that you'll be great. Even his father interpreted it. So are you saying that me, your mother, and your siblings will all bow to you? And he says they watched that word. He gets thrown into slavery. They want to kill him, then his own brothers, and he gets thrown into slavery 13 years as well, because he too, at 30, became prime minister. So if you talk of peril, their own was life threatening. It wasn't just things were happening. This David, uh, Joseph, his brothers wanted to kill him first. David, Saul threw a javelin at him. Or was it Jonathan then? I tried to get him killed several times. But when it was time, in Psalm 105, Joseph is one of the characters in early my Christian life, God gave me as a pattern for my life. So I understand, I've studied Joseph like back to back, back to back. When I discovered Psalm 105, it made me understand. Because in Genesis 50, you see where his brothers came, and they, said they were afraid with trepidation because they felt he was going to deal with them where, when their father died. But he said, what you meant for evil, the Lord has made good. Now, he could only say that. When you read 105, you understand, Psalm 105. Because he says that God sent him ahead to preserve Israel. Now, you would think he would send him as prime minister. He sent him as a slave. He didn't say his brother sold him. God sent him. So sometimes the things happening to you and around you are orchestrations by God. And that's why you must learn to see times and seasons. Things will never always be pretty. So if things are going down south, it doesn't mean God is not in it. Because if you are Joseph, imagine you didn't do anything. Then add Potiphar's wife on on top. You didn't do anything and you're being put in jail because you were even defending the God. The woman tried to sleep with you. You could have slept with her. The husband can't make noise. You tell him, choose your money or your wife. The man will likely choose the money. That's all. (laughs) But he said, I will not sin against God. Not against Potiphar. And then you get jailed for that. He would have been bitter. But I believe that he connected with what was in the mind of God, and that's why he could say what he said with all sense of um, responsibility. That it's not about you. What you thought you were doing was actually God doing something else. Because he says he, when the Word of God tried him for a season, he now brought him out and made him master of Pharaoh. Those are two patterns I want you to take time and go study. Because what kept them through was the word of God. David had two opportunities to kill Saul. Once he went, Saul was sleeping. He cut his cloth and then went and called him. Said, Saul said, "Ah, I sinned. He says, but his heart smote him. Because even though he had been anointed king by God, Saul was still king. And for him, you know, the Bible says, touch not my anointed. The anointed is not just a priest or prophet. It's also whoever is God's person. So as long as Saul was king and God didn't say, take him out, he had no right to do that. He says he smote him. When you understand the mind and the workings of God, life is very simple. Our problem is we are moved by what we see. Lose yourself in me. That's what God is saying to us. And that means you need to set yourself apart more. Pray more. Study his word more. Engage in his presence more. And you'll find things you won't struggle. It doesn't mean things won't happen. I like what Masoche said. That coming to the presence of God, the problem doesn't necessarily go away, but your perspective changes. You have comfort, you have peace, and you're ready to face up. Paul in Corinthians said, I had a thorn in my side, a messenger of Satan. That means it was demonic. It was demonic, not that it was just something that happened. It was an illness that was troubling his, a thorn in his flesh. It says he besought the Lord three times about that thing. God didn't in him first time. God, he answered him second time. And third time, he told him, my grace is sufficient for you. And he says, in the revelation of that, he began to glory. Because what that showed him is that the issue is not the thing you're going through. It's whether you have grace. He says, when you have my grace, it doesn't take away the problem, but it enables you to live above the situation. And I, I learned that very early. So it's a principle I apply. When we teach of the baptisms, We teach about uh, water baptism, baptism into one body, water baptism, Holy Spirit baptism. Then we say the baptism of fire is where you literally go into a wilderness situation where nothing makes sense. Everything is just confusing and everything is going wrong. At such times, all I do is I say, Lord, is this sin that has brought me, is this something I did, an act of omission or commission? If I sense it is not, I just start praying for grace. because. You see, the wilderness, remember, God said to them, I put you there to see what is in your heart. It's just a test. They had an 11-day journey or a 40-year journey. your, Your reaction determines which one is your result. So if you know that you will go through it, well, you can't dodge it. It's like going to another class. You must take the exam. You must pass it. If you fail it, you repeat till you pass. There's no double promotion. There's no bypassing. So when you know you're going to go through it, pray for grace. Grace gives you the power to continue through it and can help shorten that time. But go through it, you must. Remember Isaiah 43, it says, you will go through the fire. It didn't say you will bypass the fire. You will go through the waters, but they won't harm you there's a need to go through because you come out on the other side you see pressure it's like an orange when you want orange juice you squeeze the orange for the juice to come out you cannot just eat the orange take the orange and have juice you have to squeeze it so the juice in us only comes out when we go through pressure that's why one of my favorite songs is new wine But where there is power, there is new freedom. <laughs> where there is... <laughs> Forgive me. God sees the hearts. <laughs> make me a vessel. Make me an offering. Make me whatever you want me to. That's one that has released himself to God. And just do whatever you need to do. It says in the pressing, in the crushing, you're making new wine. You cannot make wine if you don't Crush the grapes. So I wrap up. I'm just truncating so many things, but one of the things you must look out for in this time is in Matthew twenty four and verse ten to twelve it says, Many will the many will be offended. They will betray one another and will hate one another. It says, then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. What we're seeing is, remember Timothy talked about men pleasers, I mean people who are lovers of themselves, love money, boastful. We're seeing the rise of secular humanism where it is about me, me, me. Man is the ultimate alpha. You even want to be omega on top. And so it, it starts and ends with me, us. And that's the most dangerous place to be. Some of the divisions I see in Christianity today they are just mindless. So the vaxxers versus non-vaxxers, it's become a whole divide. Whether you vaccinate or you don't vaccinate. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a case of some in, um, in Texas. A lady, she caught COVID, she's a non-vaxxer. Her child caught COVID and she sent the child to school. So people are upset naturally. I mean, we need to be sensible about this thing. Whether I take the vaccine or not, it's my personal decision. But you see, you must be sensible in things. And if you have COVID, it, it, if you are believing God for healing, be healed in your house. Don't go and endanger other people. But you see, where it becomes another problem is where you... I saw in Australia, they have mobile forces, um, task forces going around. And any unvaccinated person, they force you to be vaccinated. They, they round you up, mobile... Um, they, round you, they, they tackle the guy in a park, put him down and give him vaccine. That's a no-no. If he decides he doesn't want to... I mean, because in France... They say if you don't have, you shouldn't enter the bus, you shouldn't enter restaurants, you shouldn't enter a plane. That's fine. I live around my choice. But you can't force me. And you see, in Christianity, so even churches are turning people back who are not vaccinated. I mean, that's a problem. If the person doesn't have COVID, why are you turning him back? Wherein lies your faith in God being able to heal? That is another level of... So that is the newest um, division in the body of Christ. And it's mindless because when you ask yourself, cut and dried, if God is able to heal, why are you worried? I didn't say even if those who have COVID, He can heal them. But I'm seeing, I don't expect the COVID person to carry his drip and come here and say, "I'm in church, so God must heal me here." You endanger other people. We must be wise about things. But you have seen people literally rat on their on, on their family because it says brothers will give up brothers, father, children. We're seeing it happen daily now. Over COVID, the times are just winding down very clearly. And so one of the key things, I'm very clear, is going to be a tool the enemy is going to use in these times, is offense. It's offense. He says, woe unto him whom, or from whom offense has come. But the one who also gets offended has a problem. Because offense leads to unforgiveness. And that cages you. And God can't reach you. Because we say in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive. Now, what that means is if you don't forgive, you don't get forgiven, no matter how good you are. An offense is a very subtle thing the enemy uses. In Hebrews 12, it says, don't be offended because, I'm paraphrasing, the root of bitterness defiles. And once you're defiled, God can't touch you. Remember as Isaiah says, my hand is not shortened except by sin. Bitterness does the same thing. Because bitterness, James 3.16 says, where there's envy and strife, there's confusion and every evil work. Now, envy and strife is just, hi. the way Pastor Jay is looking, take away. In fact, I have a bag. I'm a female. Same fact. Hi, I wish I had it. That's envy. Strife is we are quarreling, fighting. Confusion, evil work, sin, Far away from there. But guess what? It's just one step. Those is in the heart. In the heart, where there's strife. I feel if if I'll be thinking if I just I'll just I'll just you have killed somebody. Because no, really. David with Bathsheba. It was just one step now. He just saw. But don't kid yourself. It's not just that day. So and he just he had been seen. In fact, maybe. He saw one day and said, like, Ah, that's a beautiful woman. Then the next day, he found himself at the same time. So he must have watched for one week before, you know, I, 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 this creative license. So don't say I said <laughs> that by the time he took her, she got pregnant. So she, didn't get, she probably didn't get pregnant the first time. So it's not one time. Let's tell ourselves true. But it was a he concerted effort. And when he now found out she was pregnant, he concocted a plan to bring the husband back so he would sleep with her and then they can pass off the baby and probably continue. When the husband refused, death. Now, when you look at that trajectory, it's just one step. Adultery to murder. You kill someone. David. That's why I know that that scripture, you, you look at it and say, it doesn't apply to me. It does oh, It does. Because from envy and strife, you can cross very quickly. And once you cross, you know, the human mind, you rationalize things very well. You can say someone, "You you are wrong in doing this. The minute you do it, you justify it. Look out for offense. It's going to lead many. The enemy is not going to attack you in big things. He's going to attack you in those little things. And once he can trip you up, you're gone. That's exactly what happened with Balaam. Balak, the king of Moab, got him to come and curse Israel. He couldn't curse them. Every time he tried to curse, he blessed. And he said, who the Lord has blessed, no one can curse. But what he gave Balak was a strategy. He says, infiltrate them. And by themselves, they will, as we say here, take, they will take their hand and spoil things. And that's what happened. He just wrecked Israel. Be very careful. The things that will trip us up are very small things. Setting yourself aside is going to be the most difficult thing you will do, but it's the most needful right now. What I want us to pray is in Hebrews chapter 6. I've abridged so many things, but I'm trusting God to deliver. I need you guys to help me with Touch of Heaven, because that song has just been vibrating in my spirit. Hebrews 4 and Hebrews 6, verse 4 to 6. It says, it is impossible for those who are once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. It says, if they fall away, it is difficult to renew them again to repentance since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God. And put him to an open shame. And what I want us to pray is that verse 5 where it talks of the powers of the age to come. What that speaks of is apprehending something that enables you to live above the situation and the circumstances. It says if they have tasted of this and they fall away, it is difficult for them to come back. That tells me it is something to guard with your heart and your life. Because it is not something that is going to come upon you. It is something that is in you. And that's what I want to stay today. And when I was singing that song, it just hit me. That's what it, As you sing this song, I want you to just float into that space. The powers of the age to come give you the ability to walk with God and to tread in places that many just want to. Let's first pray and just ask God, anoint me with the powers of the age to come. Because it's staring in me. Paul said to Timothy that, stir up the gifts that were placed in you by the laying on of hands. Each one of us carries the spirit in us and he is the engine of the powers of the age to come he is the one who enables us stand in that place to so open your heart and just ask god stare in me let there be a rising of the ability to walk in the powers of the age to come in these times that i will arise in strength in enablement in power and confront the forces of darkness that regal my mind and my life. Thanks for listening to this message from The Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at elo.ecclesiahills.org at